Hey friends, welcome to the North Texas District Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast for those of us serving Jesus with the North Texas District of the Assemblies of God. Well, welcome to the show. Hope you're having a fantastic week, and I'm going to go right into part two of a two-part series with Pastor Jeremy Yancey from Timber Creek Church in Lufkin. As you know, last week we had a bit of a golden corral of a podcast. We talked about pastoral succession. We talked about a few other things. This week, we're going to focus on staff dynamics and the core values that might drive your staff. And whether you have people on the payroll or you don't, if you have those that you lean on, that have your heart and have your vision and you're serving the Lord together, you have a staff of sorts. And so this is going to be a great interview today. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Enjoy this part two of our conversation with Pastor Jeremy Yancey. All right, so I'm back, edition two, with Jeremy the Jailbird Yancey. I am back for sure what that means. <laughs> I don't either. I Glad just to like, be here, though. I like giving nicknames. So, okay, man. Last week we had a, a meandering, joyful conversation about um, everything from succession plans to developing gifts in your team, making room for that. Yes, it, it was, was the Golden Corral podcast. It I was. Believe. It was very good, Golden Corral podcast. And so uh, today we have a bit of a more focused offering. Uh, the old ribeye of today is really team values and culture. And so one of the things I've learned about you and being around you is that simply that you take the way your leadership team is together very seriously. And by leadership team, we are really talking about leadership team, not just payroll staff, which I think is an important thing to say here at the outset, because we're saying this, uh, some things that apply here, whether you have a large paid staff or you're bivocational and you have a deacon board that is serving alongside of you. So um, talking about staff dynamics, culture, team convictions, at what point in your ministry, Jeremy, did you kind of realize this stuff doesn't just take care of itself. Well, I, I think um, pretty early on, knowing that you don't throw a ball out to the pitcher's mound and have nine boys run out there and just play baseball. There is no single team that grabs a bat and a ball and ha- without having practice, without communicating, without having conversations about expectation, without practice, practice, practice. Uh, you may be able to understand some of the fundamentals of the game and make your way through it. But, uh, you know, I, I want to be a part of of uh, as much as possible uh, effective teams um, that are I want to help produce effective teams. You know, if, if I were playing baseball, I wouldn't want a championship team. You know, and uh, what what would it take? What behaviors, what attitudes, what actions um, what, what would be certain attitudes I'd have to adopt? What would be certain behaviors I would absolutely avoid? What would be some beliefs I would have to champion, uh, and just be and embody. And so it, it did not, uh, I don't think it takes anybody very long to, you can't just throw a team together paid or unpaid. And I want to make sure that people get this, that are listening that, you know, we, we have a staff here. Uh, we're very privileged to have some full-time and part-time staff and, um, but every church has a team that they are behaving a certain way. Um, every church has a set of values. They may not have written them down. They may not even know what they are, but they do have values. 
Because right. those values drive that team. I mean, it may be like, like, hey, we value chewing and spitting out pastors because over the last seven years, we've had six pastors. And basically, uh, we we value the opinion of brother so-and-so who's been here for 40 years, who um, you know gave the money to build the fellowship hall. We value him and his family and his niece that wants to play tambourine on the front row. Yeah. We value them more than our pastors. Now, they would never say that and probably not put that on a banner. And they would probably not make a video uh, for the capital campaign with that value. But it is a value because that's the way they're behaving. And so every church, big, small, the size of a basketball, they, they have values and behaviors and beginning to identify the ones we want to champion and beginning to identify the ones that we want to avoid and then working towards the people that are leading people, adopting those principles, making them written and clear and plain. This is the, it's like Jesus when he calls those disciples after that huge miraculous catch of fish, he says, you think this is good? You think this is cool? Let's go catch people together. Let's go be fishers of people. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he, he he's instilling a value, a behavior that transcends fishing and miracles. It, it, it sets a tone for his team, and that 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 tone in that team helps create a certain atmosphere that they still didn't even get right all the time. You know, they were tired when they the, they didn't want to feed five thousand. They didn't even know how to feed five thousand. They they wanted to go get their own food. But Jesus was slowly instilling in them the right behaviors, the right attitudes, because he wasn't going to be there the whole time. And he was going to give them the Holy Spirit. And it was through his modeling and then the Holy Spirit empowering them that showed them this is how we should be behaving. We're talking about attitudes and values that leaders should embrace. Um, why would it be important to have something articulated and to talk about that in addition to, um, you know, the church value statement, love God, serve the world, reach people. There's a version of that on a lot of different churches, but why isn't that big banner, um, mission statement or whatever uh, enough, like drill down even, even more. Why is it so important to have articulated something in house in this person to person understanding of what it means to be a part of this servanthood leadership team at this church? Yeah. Leadership values are different than the, like the universal values of, you know, the universal values of a church probably ought to be love God, love people, you know, kind of do the great commandments yep. and the great commission. Yep. Um, those are universal. Those are permission to play. You're not a church. If you're not loving the Lord, your God with your heart, mind, and soul. Right. If you're not going to making disciples, teaching them to obey everything, and you know, baptizing them, like you're not a church. Those are permission to play. Then you begin to drill a little deeper and values are behaviors uh, that you that that this church is going to rally around. Your behaviors may be a little different down the street. That's okay. That's that's you. Our behaviors might be a little different. Um, we're 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 all the body of Christ, and um, the problem happens when all the thumb churches want the ears to look like thumbs, or they or the eye churches want the 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 ears to see. And like, mm -hmm. we got some eye churches and some ear churches. We're all part of the body and they make up the body, but like, we're just different in behavior and style, you know, those kind of things. So the, what, why I believe it's important to not only have a set of values that drive 
uh, Susie, who is the single mom, but she's committed to the church and she's taken on responsibility to be part of a volunteer team. We call them dream teams here, like a thousand, you know, 12,000 other churches call them dream teams now. Um, but like, if you want to be a part of a dream team, uh, you begin to possess a different level of responsibility. And with each and every level of responsibility comes additional behaviors that ought to be modeled. So, so there are people in our church that would model one of our values that, that is uh, empty seats are a big deal. Okay. Empty seats are a big deal because an empty seat can't take next steps. An empty seat can't be water baptized an empty seat, you know, but empty seats represent people that could be there that have a story that can take next steps that can grow in Christ-like character, conduct, and conviction. Someone who just comes and fills a seat and empty seats are built. They can be inviting people to church, but you wouldn't want them leading anything yeah, uh, because they may have the right heart to invite people to church but they they don't possess the work ethic required of a, of, of a leader. Um, and so what we felt, and this has been a process and it's taken us several months and we're really a, a measure twice cut once kind of kind of group where it, it, we take some time before we start saying these things are like the code or our values and, right. and we'll kind of kick them around. And, and, and I also believe they're a breathing document. It may be that, that, uh, the values that I talked about today or the leadership values, you know, as we see, as we look three years from now or 24 months from now, will we require in order to accomplish what God has accomplished? Are there other skill sets or other behaviors that need to rise to the top that we haven't placed as on the list? Uh, so we haven't been holding accountable those, those behaviors, you know, things like mm -hmm. that what will the vision require of us? And based on what the vision requires of us, that needs to then inform what kind of leadership culture are we trying to create? Because if you don't have the leadership culture, you won't accomplish the vision that, that, that demands a certain kind of leadership culture. So let's, let's, you talked about having worked these out maybe relatively recently. I'm not sure if I was, am I understanding that right from you? So yeah, end of last year, 2018, okay. uh, was the first time we, uh, onboarded our staff, our whole staff, uh, with a, a, a list of, of five leadership culture values. Let's list those and maybe sure. we'll, I'll just, we'll just riff a little bit. I'll ask you about some of them. You bet. Uh, and full disclosure, uh, we, we are a lot better uh, at going from one to five than we are zero to one. A zero to one concept is from scratch, you create something. And it's the first time anybody's ever heard it said that way. We tend to be better at taking something we've heard and making it our own. And so there, there's some things from, I mean, wherever, whenever, if, if, if I saw something or heard something or wrote something in a leadership conference or from a sermon or you name it, uh, there are all kinds of places that we begin to mine for these, what we believe gold nuggets. Yeah. And I think that's great. I think that a lot of times people assume the magic is in the phrasing. The magic is in the application. It's in the, it's, it's in putting it to work. Exactly. Sometimes I think as ministers, we're wordsmiths and we'll fall all over ourselves for something. Yeah. You wordsmith that something that clever. nobody ever talks about ever again. So it doesn't even get implanted. Right. <laughs> right. Know? Boy, that sure sounded good that I, I, I wordsmith that right. Yeah. But nobody knows what it is. 
uh, so what's the vision of your church? And, and the pastor can say, well, we're here to do this, do this, do this. It's the 17 E's and nobody else can say it. Well, that's great. You got 17 E's, but nobody else knows right. what those E's are. So, hey, totally okay that you didn't invent all of your phrases. Yes, thank but, you. But let's see what you guys are putting to work. Okay, so here, here are the five. And then each one of them has three action action pieces. Um, and these are in order to really become more part of our culture and expectations. They can't just be a list that we give to a staff and then they put them in the in the file. Or, or well, when I say file, I mean put them uh, crumpled up in the backseat of the car and they get thrown away with the McDonald's Happy Meal. Um, these have to be something that if we really expect this to be the behavior of a team, like our deacon team, like dream teams, and very much our staff teams, then we have to then hold accountable these pieces. In order to hold something accountable, it can't be so ethereal and like, uh, you know, we love Jesus. Well, how, you're holding someone accountable to a certain set of integrity and certain right. set of convictions and conduct. Right. But, but like, how do you, how do you drill down to as best you can? And, and these are not perfect, but the best you can, how do you begin to measure and put measuring uh, components to these, okay. to these leadership cultures? So the, the top five that we came up with are simply these, um, be humble. Stay hungry, always hustle, people always, and be human. Hmm. I'll say them again. Be humble, stay hungry, always hustle, people always, be human. Hmm. And so we started with be humble, we end with be human, and then we got the hungry hustle and people always in there. Um, so I'll just jump in with be humble. I think humility is the earmark of Christianity. Hmm. It is the earmark of a Christ follower. Uh I have been so disappointed in being able to meet people that I saw from afar and admired only to get a little closer to them. And it's they like just a kick in the stomach. Don't yeah. possess a humility. I hate that. And, and, um, and I have to check myself on that too. Mm -hmm. we, we pride wants to creep up in all of us, but I want people to say about our team, man, they know what they're doing, but they're humble. Yes. And let me just, let me just say, here's how we came up with this list to back up and then we'll drill down if that's okay. Lynn. Absolutely. Um, we did a, we did a exercise where I pulled out the big whiteboard and I got a group of people. I did this with our staff and I did this with our deacon team. Um, and I did this with my wife. Uh, and here, here were the two questions I asked. I said, name the top five or six dream teamers or volunteers in our church that if you could reproduce them, we could own the world. Yeah. Like they're, 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 they, they put, so we listed those names and then we went one after the other. Okay. Sonia, uh, what is it about Sonia that we would, that we, that we say she deserves to be on this list, man, just active, proactive on stuff, get stuff done. So we're just writing these things about Sonia. Um, okay. We said, Derek, what about Derek that, 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 uh, and was oh, great attitude, always willing. He, he can be up front. He can also vacuum servant's heart. Right. Okay. So we went through a list of five or six volunteers in our church that already possessed the kind of culture DNA that we would want to reproduce. So then we had all these statements on the board and it was my job then to whittle those down into workable language 
that we would then use as litmus tests for people coming on the team and staying on the team. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so you've hit on be humble. Let's talk about stay hungry. Yeah. Stay hungry. The, the three key pieces under stay hungry are I chase improvement. I have a can do attitude and I challenge myself with uphill habits. And so anybody on a dream team, there's a question about making sure our dream teams are hungry for improvement. So they're chasing improvement. So the question that a pastor, the kids pastor should be asking their dream team in their uh, time around a coffee or during their team meetings, um, how are you chasing improvement this, this month? A dream teamer might ask someone on their team, how are you chasing improvement? You had mentioned that a second ago. So a way a, a pastor would ask a dream teamer, you know, hey, we chase improvement here. That's part of our team dynamic. We chase improvement. Not only asking them how they're chasing improvement, but it becomes a great um, accountability starter too when you say, hey, you know the leadership culture code. One of them is we, you know, under stay hungry, we chase improvement. I want to invite a conversation here. Is it okay to ask you to chase improvement on something? And it gives you permission. Usually they say, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And, and say, I, I've noticed that you're starting strong, but you haven't really thought through how you're ending your small group and it just kind of dissipates and you're going a little long. And part of chasing improvement, I think would be having, have the absolute ending ready for your small group or, um, another one. Um, I challenge myself with uphill habits um, Hey, you know, it's been about three weeks in a row now that, um, you've come in late and we're having our, our little team meeting before we have Sunday school or whatever. And I've asked all of our Sunday school teachers to be at this meeting and you're, and, and you're not coming and, uh, being on time, maybe an uphill habit for you, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be on time. It, it's, it's mm -hmm. important. Can, can we agree that we're going to chase this up? We're going to, we're going to challenge to be, yeah. to be on time. Yeah. And it gives vernacular and talking points to the things that we want to create in our culture that we're creating an environment of uphill habits. Anything worthwhile is uphill. Yes. It takes, you got to go uphill. Uh, always hustle is another one. Mm -hmm. And hustling, you know, I, I, I want a team that will go beyond what is required. Uh, so, hey, will you set these tables up and they're set up, but like someone that will set up the tables, but also will put the, the tablecloths on them. Or they'll make sure the tables are actually in in a row, like aligned and not just like cattywampus. Sure. Yes. Like go yes. beyond what is required. And another one that I think, especially when you become a little bit larger church like we are, sometimes I, I hate it when I hear from somebody. And you, you got to consider the source. But when I hear from somebody in our church, yeah, I called the office and I left a message, but they, or I sent them an email a few days ago, but I really haven't heard anything back. That irritates me. And you got to fill the gap with trust. Mm -hmm. But if, but one thing on hustle is we say, we want to be ridiculously responsive. I, I don't know. I don't remember where I heard that. I think Vanderblum and I, I heard that from Vanderblum and podcast, but be ridiculously responsive, like surprise people with, with being quick to text them back. Yeah. Surprise your guests with being quick to, to text them yes. uh, that next day and, and, and say, Hey, thanks for being with us. Uh, you know, uh, would love to hear, get some feedback from you. So hustling, being ridiculously responsive. That's mm -hmm. that it, you're not going to make it on our team if you're not responsive. And I don't, I want you to be ridiculously responsive. Now, does that also mean that 
that you should be on your day off taken advantage of by the senior pastor? No, I got to give you a break and got to give you a space and, and not ex- be a demanding dictator. But also when we're on, we're working hard and we're responsive. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. another one, people always, we have to honor up, honor down, honor all around. Um, that means that I'm going to honor my team. I don't just, I don't expect honor from them if I'm not willing to honor them first. Right. And so people always were honoring. We're wise with our words. We have to conflict well, but we got to be wise with the way we use our words. The Proverbs says, um, words give life or words can kill. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're like poison or they're like beautiful fruit. You choose. And so we have to be wise with the words we use. You know, Susan's going to be in that staff meeting and then she's going to go home and, and tell her husband those words you used. And you may resolve it the next day with Susan around the water cooler, but her husband, the next time he sees you at church, he's going to have an opinion of you that hasn't been resolved. And you got to be wise with your words. Another one that's important, I think is here for people. Always we give and receive feedback with candor and with kindness. So you got to be clear. You got to be candid with your feedback and we got to be willing to give it and receive it Mm -hmm. candidly. But we also have to be kind you know, just, just because that was terrible and she should never sing again. Right. There's a way to give feedback with candor and kindness. Uh, one without the other candor, without kindness, will get your point across, but you won't influence people. Kindness without candor will not get your point across and you'll be frustrated. Right. <laughs> uh, finally be human. Yeah. Um, a pretty popular statement these days we, we use as a, as a qualifier of be human. It's okay not to be okay, but I don't stay that way. Like you're going to mess up. You're going to, you're going to miss it. You're going to strike out. Um, Nolan Ryan has the, the, uh, record for the most strikeouts. He also has the record for the most walks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in order to be great, it's going to be things that you're not great at. Um, another one under be human, I offer and accept apologies graciously. I want a team that can knock on a door and say, Hey, I'm sorry. I blew that. I shouldn't have said what I said. I wasn't wise with my words. And that person that's hearing that needs to not just say, well, you know, maybe, maybe think twice next time or "Ah, don't, whatever, don't worry about it. You got to be able to offer an apology. And you know what? There's an art to accepting an apology. Sure. I want a team that I'm leading. And I want to be the example of that team that can apologize to my team as the lead pastor that can accept an apology and move on. And then finally, our last piece is I know when to rest. I know when to run. I know how to laugh. I know how to have fun. Mm -hmm. Like you can't take yourself too seriously. You got to know when to rest. I can't determine when you need to rest. You need to determine when you rest. But I also know, I know when you do need to run. And so if you're not resting when you're, and, and then you're supposed to be running, but you haven't rested when you were supposed to rest. And now that you're supposed to be running because it's the week before Easter and this is an all hands on deck and you haven't taken time to rest. And now you're wanting to rest because you don't have the energy. You got to know when to rest and you got to right. know when to run. And I can't, I can't calibrate that for you. Um, uh, but I will give you as much leeway to when you need to rest, rest. But when it's time to run, run. If you're not going to be able to laugh at yourself and you're not going to be able to laugh on this team, know when to laugh and know how to have fun, you're not going to make it on our team. Mm -hmm. You got to be able to laugh, laugh at yourself, laugh at great things, laugh when even maybe 
probably shouldn't have laughed at that, you know, because somebody probably shouldn't have said that, but not take ourselves. So it's okay not to be okay. Just don't stay that way. That's the kind of environment that we're trying to build at Timber Creek that creates the personality of the leadership team Hmm. because values are your behaviors, but then the personality that that begins, that is the compilation of your strategy, your vision, what you believe, what you'll go to the mat for, what, what you won't worry about, what you will stay awake thinking about. That's the culture, the personality of the organization. And until you can define it, it's just going to be whatever it's going to be. Yeah. So at your, you, like you, you qualified earlier, Hey, we don't always bat a thousand on all of these, but whenever, whenever Timber Creek's leadership team is doing well, whenever they're embracing these, whenever these are producing the type of culture that you hope is produced, how does Timber Creek as a church look whenever the leadership team is becoming who you hope they become? All of a sudden you're, you're beginning to celebrate the behaviors that you said you wanted to see that you're now seeing. Um, you're seeing other people say the things that you were saying. You know, a mentor of mine said to me when I first took the pastorate, he said, you know, if you're there long enough, people are going to meet with their friends that don't go to church. They're going to meet, they're going to have a conversation with their kiddos. They're going to meet with their spouse and they're going to say things like, you know, pastor always says, and they're going to say things that you always say, be intentional with what you always say. Yeah. And so what I have said is if we can take vernacular that take it off the page and live it and then repeat those, those statements as often as possible in our team huddles, in our staff meetings, in our devotional time, in our leadership, in our phone calls, in our text messages. When people start saying, you know, pastor always says, uh, empty seats are a big deal. Who are we going to invite to Easter family? You know, pastor always says it's okay not to be okay. And I want you to know, you can, you don't have to get dressed up. You said the church would, would fall. The walls would cave in. If you came to church with me, Uh -uh. our pastor always says it's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. So we're a church. Anyone can come to like, when you start hearing people that, that start going through your processes of discipleship and they're saying the things that you say are values, but they're saying it organically that that's when you feel like, okay, you you're beginning, you know, we're getting it. That that's when you tell you're getting it. And if it's happening organically at any point, I'm supposing it had to happen mechanically for a long time on purpose all the time. Like, is this something I'm guessing this is that the end result you just described probably takes some time and a ton of intentionality before it just seems to magically appear. If you define them and you expect them uh, to begin to take shape that aren't currently there, you can run on absolute cruise control and you will have culture code in your church. Um, there is a, there's a culture code of how the ushers, uh, will ignore someone when they walk through the front door because they're having a conversation about the ball game with the other usher. And they may, they may not even look at the person who walks in and they just hand out the bulls and Hey, good morning, but they don't do the kind of, of, uh, modeling unusual servanthood or, uh, challenging themselves with uphill habits, unless you make that like, here's what we're going to pursue you automatically have a certain culture in church. There's a certain culture when, 
we believe in the gifts and operation. But if that church has the same person giving a message and the same interpretation in a service every single Sunday, what happens is, and that may be completely okay in that church context, but that becomes culture and the personality of a church. If that's never um, uh, navigated or managed or led or communicated, if that person's never said, hey, you know, uh, next time, next service we have, I want you to give the opportunity for someone else to give a message. And if no one else gives a message, you don't give one either. Let's just see. Let's let's you're beginning to develop culture. Mm -hmm. And and, and until you talk about it, you automatically just give it. Now, I don't know who, whatever. I mean, that's one example that came to my mind. You could use 150 different examples, but, but uh, culture will happen whether you are intentional about it or not. If you're intentional, it's amazing. The kind of uh, supernatural benefits. Can you not see Jesus being so, so intentional Mm -hmm. with his time with his conversations. Yeah, but who do you say that I am? His mm-hmm. is his question is is creating creating the space where leadership was being birthed in Peter and 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 it was being challenged to be birthed in those other disciples on that road that that road dialogue and and uh, that's that's what we do just intentional with creating the what you really expect and what you believe Jesus is expecting mm. of the leaders and the staff, paid or unpaid, yeah. vocational or bivocational or completely volunteer, the kind of personality and leadership. And, and, and you know, you, you, you bump into a personality at Walmart. You know, you, 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 you figure out pretty quick whether you'd want to, to bump into that person again or not. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want people, if they bump into the leadership of Timber Creek Church, whether it's at Walmart or McDonald's or Starbucks, I want them to bump into them and say, whoa, there's something about it Mm -hmm. um, because we've been intentional with those attitudes and actions. That's great. Okay, Pastor Jeremy, so let's put a bow on the conversation here. Um, Say you're a minister, you're listening to this maybe while you're doing the dishes, maybe you're out walking the dog, Maybe you're just driving across town and and maybe as we've talked today about culture and how transformational it is, maybe you're reflecting on your leadership team or your church and maybe like, ah, we're the ones that have a culture that is not intentional, that has happened and and I wouldn't want to see it reproduced. What would you say by way of encouraging them? First of all, um, we are nowhere (laughs) near having arrived. Um, This is a moving target. And so in no ways would I ever want to come across number one as, uh, until you do these things, will things be a, a problem? Like there's so many areas we are uh, still wanting to, to improve and grow. And, and, um, what I would say, hopefully there would be an encouragement is number one, you are making an impact. You really are. Um, no matter whether you've defined things or not. But as a pastor, I would say what I heard another pastor say um, when it comes to culture and encouraging them on that. If if you've got a if you got a hundred things, you know, it's like the person who goes and has a medical issue, lots of medical issues, and the doctor can give them seventy four things to do, but like the doctor may just say, okay, just stop eating French fries. That's the only. Just stop eating French fries, and and meet meet me in a month. 
that feels so much more doable, you know, than yeah. we'll follow these yes. 74 things and never eat bread again and go high protein and low carb. And you gotta, you know, basically become the, you know, sad, right. <laughs> uh, and not ever eat anything fun anymore. Um, I would say just the one thing would be, be the culture, be the culture, it, be the example and be the kind of culture that you want to see replicated in your, in your deacon team, the kind of example you, you wish your volunteer teams would, would see. So if you wish your volunteer teams would show up on time, man, show up on time and communicate it. If, if you wish they would end on time, end on time. I mean, I'm speaking to the choir here because I don't always end on time on Sunday mornings like I should, um, but just be, be the culture. And I would also say, um, take, take time to really begin to ask yourself, what are the personality, what are the behaviors that I wish we could reproduce? What are the two or three uh, women and men in our church that just kill it? And text them today saying, if I could reproduce your attitude and action in other people in our church, I would do it tomorrow. I would do it this moment. Thank you for modeling the kind of behavior and action and attitude. When you see it in a board board meeting and somebody exudes the kind of attitude, you say, whoa, 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 everybody stop. Brian, that is the, that is the kind of attitude I wish our whole church possessed. Did you guys hear how he, how he responded to that? He could have gossiped about that person, but instead he held his tongue. I saw what you just did. You did not gossip about that person. Brian, that is like Jesus right there. Yeah. And just celebrate the little behaviors in people and be the culture and just see what God does with that faithfulness. That's great. Jeremy, thank you. Thank you for two good episodes, my friend. Lennon, love you. Love this team. Love the district. Glad to be a part. All right, friends. Well, we love you wherever you are, whether you are in San Saba, San Angelo, or San Marcos, or really San Quentin, San Quentin, any town in the North Texas district that may or may not begin with sand. We love you and we wish you the best this week while you're serving Jesus and his bride, the local church. Thank you.